Our text will be from the book of Luke, chapter 13, 10 through 21. I'll be reading through the English Standard Version, and if you're following along in the Church Bible, it's on page 873. Luke 13, 10 through 21. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? You ought and ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosened from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, just for the privilege to gather as brothers and sisters and hear your word to give you praises and give you honor and glory. We pray that uh, you are pleased with our actions and Father, as we open up the word, um, we thank you for it. We, we just lift up Pastor Steve, uh, just a willing vessel, as he said last week, just to feed us. We pray that our eyes, ears, hearts are just open to, uh, to see and hear what you have to say through him. So we lift him up to you and uh, just give you thanks in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pete. You guys don't know, Pete Kleiber is the guy in charge of Treasure Island. He's the brains of the outfit, our Wednesday night children's program. Um, So, in my mind, that just means he needs extra prayer. Um, But I'm thankful for the good work that he and Lisa and their crew of volunteers do Wednesday night with the kiddos. Um, And I love listening... Uh, to people like Pete, read the Word of God and pray. The men that the the um, other men we have coming up here, and and you as as um, church members, I love listening to you read the Word of God and pray um, because I see in your lives a desire to submit to it. So that's what we're rooting for today. That God, so we're praying for, so we're hoping for, so we're anticipating that God will teach us His Word. He'll grow us in it by His grace. 
My daughter Haddon is three years old, um, and uh, and she. A couple of my kids have done this. You know how every kid is different. They're just kind of. I three year olds are just we just they're just weird little humans. And uh, Haddon um, talks as if she's I don't know thirty five something like that. Often, I mean, she 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 picks up phrases that really only adults use, and then she kind of works them into her own conversation. And she and she speaks sometimes very precisely, and uh, almost like she's in a a court of law, which she's in trouble a lot. So um, she kind of, I think, she feels like she needs a defense attorney sometimes. Um, the other day, Denise is um, Denise is teaching our five year old son Silas. Um, she's teaching him how to read. And they couldn't find his little reading books. And so they said to Haddon, Haddon, did you, did you take Silas's reading books? She looks right at them. I did not. <laughs> Ten, twelve minutes later, they found them in her room under a blanket. I feel like maybe she did. I mean... <laughs> She had a very mature, serious response. She's ready for her life of crime, um, but no, no, it was you. I, she, um, she, uh, the other, I was, I think it was the same day actually. It was nighttime. I was about to put her in bed, and I was reading her a little story, um, probably one she had stolen from Silas, and I was reading her a book and. Uh, and uh, I said, okay, Haddon, take a potty break. And she goes, well, Dad, the thing is... And I said, no, there's no thing. Don't, you don't, I don't care how you're going to end that sentence. Don't, don't, don't talk to me like you're 28 years old. Don't say you're, the thing is. Just go, you're three, go potty. In my mind, those are good stories. Those stories I just told. And I've got a bunch more. And those of you who have heard me preach a lot know that I work really hard at, at working <laughs> stories that I like about my children into sermons. Because um, I just like them. I enjoy them. And, um, and most of you like them. And, and those of you who don't like the stories about my kids, we're not friends anyhow. I don't, I don't, I don't, really, I don't really care what you think. And so, um, and so um, I like telling those stories. And so right now you're thinking, yeah, that was a good story. It was enjoyable. I'm glad it wasn't a lot longer than it was, but it was, I was fine. It was a good story. But another question to ask, and this is, I mean, everybody does have time constraints, so another good question to ask is, was that story necessary? I think we've all sat and listened to stories before, and it was good, a little long, good story. At the end, you're thinking, I'm never going to get that 17 minutes back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that was a necessary story. I'm not sure I needed to hear that, especially right now. Why do I need... Why? So why did I need to tell you that story about Haddon? No reason. There's no reason whatsoever. It's a good story, not necessary. You could have gone your whole life never hearing that story and be fine. It didn't fill any need. But it's a good story. When we read through the book of Luke, when we read through the, our conviction... Our conviction, Pete Kleiber's conviction, Steve Gerber's conviction. Our our conviction is that if 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 it's in the book of Luke, then it's both good and necessary. If it's in the Bible at all, it's a if it, if the story is in the Bible, then it's both good and we need it, and it's necessary. 
So, so we're going to look at this story this morning, and we're going to ask ourselves, why is it good? Why is it a good story? And also, why is it necessary? Why do we need to read it? Why do we need to engage with it? Why do we need to be changed by it? Why is it good and necessary? So there's a, it's a four-point sermon. Um, the first three points really are going to cover what makes this a good story. I mean, this is a, this is a good story. Some cool things happened. It's just a, it's a, it's a good story. So we're going to look first, first three points. Why is this a good story? What happens to make this a good story? And then that final point, we're going to ask ourselves, but why is it necessary? Why do we need it? Why could Luke not leave it out? So, first thing that happens in the story, makes it a good story. First thing, number one, Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Now he was teaching, verse 10, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. The, the moment we meet this woman, we, we automatically have pity for her, don't we? And 18 years with a disabling spirit. Okay, so and I, I had to, that's a weird, that's weird wording. She had, she was, she was 18 years with a disabling spirit. I, um, because that doesn't mean, and we see this from the way the rest of the story unfolds, that doesn't mean that she was possessed by a demon. A lot of times in the New Testament, Jesus is like casting demons out of people, and these demons are like in them, and they're um, greatly influencing like their, their body and their mind and their personality and their speech and their actions. Like they're, they're, they're possessed by the demon. They're under the, the, the influence and the power of the demon. This is different. This woman wasn't possessed by a demon. Um, she was, but the, the demon was severely affecting her health. There is some way in which this demon was physically crippling her. Later on, Jesus is going to say that she was bound by Satan. And she had been for 18 years. 18 years of, of pain and misery and exhaustion. Uh, but there's a little side note here we have to think about together. Um, it is interesting. It is interesting that even though she had been suffering physically for 18 years, she shows up to worship with God's people anyhow. The, the synagogue where she is at this day is the place where people could listen to the Word of God. They could hear it read and explained. They could sing and pray together. So it's not the temple in Jerusalem, but there are many synagogues in the different towns. Um, and, and this woman was here at this synagogue on this day, even though she was... Um, hunched over in pain, a lot of discomfort, a lot of misery. And so I'm just, I, I'm, I'm making this little side note point here that this does kind of make us ask ourselves, are we too easily hindered from coming to church? Are we too easily distracted from coming to church? Does this woman give us some sort of example that maybe we should, maybe we should be thinking about? It's just something to think about. It's free. Back to the story. Because we also have to realize that Jesus didn't heal this woman because she showed up to church even though she was in pain. 
Jesus did not heal this woman. He didn't say, oh, she's being faithful, she's in pain, but she's faithful, I guess I'll heal her. That's not what happened. In fact, think about this, he didn't, he didn't heal her even, even because she asked to be healed. She didn't ask to be healed. She didn't ask to be healed. I doubt she could even look at Jesus. She's probably in so much pain. She's probably hunched over to such a degree. She probably couldn't even look at Jesus. She didn't look at him. She didn't ask him for help. Why this is a good story is because it shows us how gracious Jesus truly is. Why did Jesus set this woman free? It's the same reason he set you and me free. It's because he saw her. It's because he saw us. It's because he looked upon us with mercy. He saw our helpless condition and he had mercy on us. He looked upon us with mercy long before we we even knew how to look to him with faith. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what, that's what makes us a good story. That's what stirs us up. That's what fills us with thankfulness and joy when we consider how Jesus saw this woman in all of her misery, all of her helplessness. It reminds us when He saw us in all of our misery and all of our helplessness. That's the first thing that happens that, that makes this a, a good story. Jesus saw her. Number two, Jesus set her free. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. And so this again, I just want to mention, this is not like casting out demons kind of language. This is, this is a physical healing kind of language, but it has that mysterious element of uh, this, this illness that a, that a demon was giving her. And Jesus frees her from all that. Jesus says, Satan has bound you for 18 years, that stops today. And he sets her free. And if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. The, the grip that Satan somehow had on her body, the way that his demon was somehow scrunching her spinal cord, is over. It's gone. Satan, or Jesus, with a word, has, has wrenched her away has wrenched her free. This is why we love this story. This is why we love it. I I bet many of you, unless you cheated and read ahead this week, because Colin sends you out the email and he tells you what I'm going to be preaching, so you you read ahead, you cheat. If you did that, then then you remember this story. But I bet many of us had forgotten this story was even the Bible. We don't remember the woman who had been hunched over for 18 years. Because this is not super, that's not a super famous story. It's not a story that people talk about a lot. There's a lot of stories in the book of Luke. It's hard to keep them all straight. A lot of us didn't even remember this story existed. But we know, it's kind of like my, my, um, my older kids and, uh, and my wife and I, we, we enjoy, um, Watching TV shows, um, I mean, we don't watch them on TV. I don't, I don't watch them on TV. But like, it, um, eventually, when they come out on some streaming service we have, um, the uh, we enjoy watching TV shows with like that weird, quirky detective. I mean, this is a super formulaic show. I mean, there's there's tons of shows like this. It's like this weird, eccentric detective 
who always figures out what's going on. When, when the police, you know, the police are just completely befuddled, and here comes this guy, who kind of is a freelancer guy, comes in, and he just kind of figures it out, and, and usually he's a good detective because he's also really bad socially. He's just like an eccentric, odd person who doesn't fit in, doesn't have any friends, and kind of likes it that way, and, and, but he's, he always figures it out, and you can always tell the moment he figures it out. Um, and, and, and maybe it's a look on his face, or maybe it's the way he starts to act and conduct himself, puts the pieces together, and, and brings the bad guy to justice. Now, it happens every show. We're never surprised. We're never surprised. It's a complete formula. It happens every time. But we always enjoy it. And it's kind of like this story in Luke. Maybe we forgot the details of this story. Maybe it's been a while since we read this story, or, or had anybody talk to us about it. Maybe it's been a while, but when we saw... Jesus, look upon this woman with mercy. When we saw that Jesus saw her, we knew what was coming next. It's a formula. It's a good formula. We might not remember all the details of every story, but we see, oh, Jesus sees her. He's going to set her free. We know what's coming next. We know what's coming next. Has, has the sun set you free? Has, has Jesus set you free? Has Jesus looked upon you with mercy? Is, is, is Jesus' perfect life and His death on the cross and His glorious resurrection, is the good news of Jesus Christ your only hope to be forgiven of your sins? Your, your only hope to be right with God? Has Jesus set you free? If, if that's true, then you are free indeed. There is no guilt in life. There is no fear in death. I, I, I'm just going to think about a couple of things with you real quick. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. There is no guilt in life and there is no fear in death. Like, if you're accused of failure, and that's because you failed, right? Most of the time, if we're accused of doing something wrong, uh, it's because we did something wrong. Sometimes the accusations come from other people, and sometimes they just come from within us. Sometimes we are our hardest accusers. Sometimes the feelings of failure come, come the most from within us. But whether they come from without or within, we all go through times where we just feel like we blew it. And we know we blew it. The beautiful thing is, is we can say with complete honesty, you're right. I failed. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to make up for that. I'm going to try to make that right. I'm going to try to, by God's grace, never do that again. I'm going to try to resist that temptation by the, by the grace of God, the power of the Spirit as I go forward. I want to, I want to turn away from that. I don't want to do that again. I'm sorry. But you can also say, I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm righteous before God because of Jesus Christ. My sin does not have the final say on me. It doesn't have a final hold on me. Satan and hell and death have no claim on me. The Son has set me free. That's what you can say if you're accused of failure. There's no guilt in life. You're free. Also, there's no fear in death. No guilt in life and no fear in death. If you're diagnosed with terminal illness, you can say, okay, that's not what I want. I don't want to die before my loved ones. But I also don't want to die after my loved ones either. I just don't want to die. I don't want anybody to die. I don't like death. I don't want to, have to think about that. I want to pretend like that's never going to happen. But, 
the thing that makes death really scary, which is the, the judgment that comes after death, the, the judgment when, when, when God, when, when God decides what to do with us eternally, the punishment that we deserve because of our sin, the, 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 the thing that comes after death that makes it really scary, Jesus is taking care of that. I was bound up in my sin and I was bound for hell and Jesus has set me free. So I don't want to die, but it'll be okay. I'll get better. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. This is a good story. Jesus saw her. Jesus set her free. And then number three, uh, Jesus stood up to her accusers. Jesus stood up to her accusers. Verse 14, Oh man, this is rough. This is hard to, this is hard to read. Oh, this is painful. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come to those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Okay, so this guy deserves to be punched twice. Alright? Not just once. And I don't hit very hard, so maybe three or four times. This guy deserves, I mean, because on one level he's just stupid, and on the other level he's a moron, because for one thing, he gets mad. He gets mad because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. But what does he do? He doesn't go to Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, why'd you heal on the Sabbath? Instead, he yells at the people. He yells at the people who, who want to be healed, who need to be healed. He's stupid and weak. Yells at the people. Pick a better day. Don't come to be healed on the Sabbath day. What kind of jerk do you have to be to stand up and say that to people? I mean, how off do you have to be to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get after them. Those people, they're all sick, hunched over, diseased, coming here for a healing. What is going on? I'm going to put an end to this right now. What kind of person, who, who is that person? And, and it proves. Because what he would say is, don't do work on the Sabbath, right? Jesus, the Lord says that. God says that. Don't work on the Sabbath. Right? So we understand that. What this guy obviously doesn't understand is what God meant by that. He obviously doesn't understand what, he, what, what God meant by that. Because think about this with me. What was the Sabbath all about? The Sabbath was a day of rest. And why was it a day of rest? So that people could come and be refreshed by God. So that people could come and find the rest of God. The, the, the comfort and the peace and the joy and the blessing and the love that only God can give. What was the Sabbath about? It was about taking a day off of your, your daily labor and remembering and rejoicing in the, in the rest only God can give. And so, and so think about what Jesus did for this woman. He fully and finally gave her rest. He fully and finally gave her what the Sabbath was all about. He showed the people that were gathered there, this is what the Sabbath is about. It's about coming and getting from God what only God can give you. Re- like comfort from your misery. Rest from your, from, your, from your pain. He finally gave this woman after 18 years what she needed. What only God could give her. It was a beautiful picture of, of what the Sabbath was all about. And the, the, the synagogue rulers, ah, no, I don't like that. Mm-mm. I don't like that. 
They have no clue what's happening in the Bible. They have no clue what's going on. So Jesus, in a minute here, is going <laughs> to... He's going to put them in their place, which is always fun. Always fun. But first, we have to, again, we have to pause and we have to ask ourselves a question here. Okay? We're going to get back to Jesus just letting them have it in a second. We're going to enjoy that. It's a good story. We're going to enjoy it. But we do have to pause here and ask ourselves, are there ways in which we love our, our own little traditions or our own little ruler, rules and our own little preferences and our own ways of doing things? Are there ways where we love like secondary, um, not important things or less important things more than we love the Word of God? Are there ways in which we love our preferences so much that we're actually skewing the Word of God? That we're actually misunderstanding the Word of God? And even worse than that, we're actually barring people from the Jesus of the Bible. Are there ways where we're cutting off people from the Jesus of the Bible because of the way we hold on to our, our, our preferences and our ways of doing things and the way we like it? Sometimes we, I mean, some, sometimes um, people don't like the Jesus of the Bible because someone has come along and clearly and compassionately explained who he was from the Word of God, and they're like, I don't like that. That's offensive. I don't want that. And so if that happens, there's very little we can do about it except for pray. But sometimes people are cut off from the actual Jesus of the Bible, from understanding who he truly is, because of the way that we, like, because of the way we, we set up barriers and we set up, uh, we, we, we set up offense. The, the gospel is offensive enough all by itself. Let's not, let's not add to it. Let's not add barriers in the way we treat people, in the way we hold on to extra things. And if you're, I mean, that's a pretty murky waters. That's a, that's a difficult thing to navigate sometimes. It's, it's hard to know how, how best to handle certain people or certain situations. Um, reach out to someone. Help, get, get some help, like thinking through it. Don't do it by yourself. Reach out. Ask some, someone for some help. Some, a wise Christian friend. How would you navigate this situation? Am I, am I doing anything that's cutting this person off from the gospel. I mean, we, we can't say less than the Word of God says, um, but we, we have to be very careful that we're not holding on to extra rules in a way that cuts people off. It's not easy. Talk through it with a wise friend. All right, back to the story. Synagogue ruler and his buddies are being ridiculous, so Jesus lets them have it. Verse 15, love it. Love this. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not, I love this. This is so good. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? So, so here's what Jesus is saying. You show mercy. You show mercy to your ox or to your donkey. You, you loosen that ox or that donkey. You set free that ox or that donkey. You untie the ox or the donkey so that you can show mercy to it. So that the, so that the stupid animal isn't, isn't just like parched all day. You're being kind to an animal. Nothing wrong with that. That's well within what God would allow on the Sabbath. 
But now listen to me. Ought not this woman, verse 16, a, a woman, a woman, a, a human, a, a person created in the image of God, a daughter of Abraham, more valuable, more deserving of mercy than an ox or a donkey. Shouldn't this Shouldn't this woman, this daughter of Abraham, whom whom Satan bound for 18 years, your ox has been thirsty for six hours. This woman has been in misery for 18 years. Created in the image of God. Precious in His sight. Shouldn't I do what you did? You simply untied your animal. All I'm doing is untying this woman. Shouldn't she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? I've done just as much work. I've put just as much effort into this, maybe even less, than what you put into untying your animal. <laughs> Verse 17, of course, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. I mean, what do you, how do you answer that? There's no answer for that. Just sit there in your wrongness and be wrong. There's no answer. All his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. I love that. I love Jesus standing up, and it's always helpful when, when, when true truth and logic are on your side. It always helps. Always helps. And he says, think about this with me. If you're, if you're able to do that, Think about this with me. I have simply done what you do only in a much more important way. Go ahead and show mercy to your ox and to your donkey. Get them a drink of water. Untie them so that they can go have something to drink so they're not just parched all day. That's fine. But then don't yell at me for for, for untying this woman and, and bringing her to mercy. Goofballs? This is a good story. Now that brings us to, though, the, the last question and the last point is, is this a necessary story? Is this a necessary story? Because I, I bet you that this story kind of reminded you of a bunch of other stories that are in the Gospels, right? I, I feel like I've heard that story before. I, I mean, like, like, I, I've, I've heard the, the, there's, the, you know, a, a person Who's got some sort of some sort of um, terrible disability? It's not it's not killing them. It's not ending their life, but it is chronic and it is misery and it is pain. And and a person just being healed by Jesus. I, I think I've also heard stories where he did this on a Sabbath, mostly probably to just tick people off. I think I've heard that. I, I think I've 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 heard the story about the the ridiculous synagogue leader or the ridiculous Pharisee who gets mad and then gets publicly shamed for his foolishness. I think I've heard that part. I think I've heard, like, why do we need another one of these stories? John himself said, I can't, I don't have time for all the stories. I don't have room for all the Jesus stories. He did so many things that we don't have, we don't have the pages, we don't have enough space to tell all the stuff Jesus did. So we have to pick and choose. Why did Luke pick this one? Like this, this, this no-name synagogue, this no-name woman, Small town, happened a bunch. Why are we pointing it out? 
Well, that brings us to our fourth thing that happens. Jesus saw her. Jesus set her free. Jesus stood up to her accusers. And then number four, Jesus shares the inside story. Jesus shares the inside story. Verse 18, He said, therefore, so that that word therefore connects what Jesus is about to say to to the story that just happened. Jesus saying, this, what I'm about to say, is deeply connected to that, to that, to that story of that woman being healed, being delivered, being set free. Verse 18, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed the man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in his branches. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Jesus is saying to us, here's why this story matters. Now I'm sure that if we sat down and we thought and we read through this passage and we thought about the Word of God, we could think of other reasons why this story is necessary. But here's the one that Jesus explicitly says. He says, this story, that thing you just saw, what just happened is is like when the kingdom of God comes. That's what it looks like when the gospel advances. That's, That's what it looks like when people are brought into the family of God, when they are restored to a good relationship with God, when their sins are forgiven, when when they are set free and they praise and glorify God. That's what it looks like. And a lot of times it's kind of it's kind of like a mustard seed. It's kind of like leaven. It is a beautiful thing, but it's also really small and a little bit boring and kind of secretive. A lot of what happens in the kingdom of God, a lot of the small Tiny pieces that are happening, they're, that's what they are. They're small, they're tiny, and they're secret. They're, they're like, leaven, leaven works in secret. We don't watch leaven, leaven like yeast do its work in a, in a loaf of bread. We don't, we don't watch it do its work, right? And, and a, a mustard seed starts out very tiny. That's the, that's the proverbial point of this. And yet, it's going to be a lot of bread in the end. It's going to be a huge tree in the end. It's going to be massive in the end. But right now, it's kind of small. It's a little bit like not newsworthy. It's, it's a little bit like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to teach my children the Word of God. Yeah, I'm working back there on Treasure, Treasure Island Nights with the kids. Yeah, I'm teaching a Sunday school class. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm trying to encourage um, the people in my church, the people that I'm close with, I'm trying to encourage them in the Word of God. Yeah, it's, I, I'm... It's, I'm giving my, giving my, my offering. I'm, I'm doing my ministry. I'm trying to be a blessing. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to, trying to invite my neighbors to church. I'm just, I'm just trying to, it's all pretty not newsworthy. And my, my kids and I have joked since we've moved here, um, in Warsaw, everything is newsworthy, right? Everything makes the news. I'm just like, wait, why is that in the newspaper? That's, man, that's boring. And, and, uh, that doesn't matter at all. Like, my, my, Kids have made the newspaper quite a few times, and none of it has been just like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but it's not going to make the news when you sit down with your small child and read him a Bible story, when you teach him to pray, when you remind him, we, we do this because we want to glorify God, and we, we fail at this because we need Jesus. We need His grace. 
No one's gonna, no one's gonna come and pat you on the back for that. No one's gonna, no one's gonna tell people, oh yeah, 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 such a good mom, look what they did. Nobody knows. It's all secret. Almost all the good stuff you do, almost all of the worthwhile stuff you do, very few people know about it. It's like leaven. Secret. No one knows. No big deal. This is just another woman in some town we don't know the name of. We don't know the name of the woman. This is another idiot ruler Jesus puts in his place. It's just another backwards, backwoods synagogue. It happens all the time. Who cares? Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's how the kingdom of God works. And there is coming a day when you're going to see the mustard tree. Tree. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna see the tree that's grown from that. You're gonna see the bread. You, there's one day we're gonna be gathered around the throne, and we're gonna be like, oh, there's a lot of people here. This is a, this is. We're gonna see when Jesus makes all things new. When we are, when we are with God forever, we're gonna see the gospel massive. It's massive. It's way bigger than I thought it was. And so, so what this is saying to us is now is the time. Now is the time for us to remember that that day is coming. Now is the time to just do the simple things that saints have been doing for years. Just replaying that same story. Simply loving the people in your life. Simply pointing them to the truth of the Word of God. Simply praying that Jesus will set them free. Praying that He uses us to make disciples in small, everyday, this has happened a million times before kind of ways. Now is the time to remember that all of this small, secret stuff is being used by Jesus to do something massive in the end. So let's stay, let's stay faithful. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this good and necessary story. Help us to believe it. Help us to believe it. Pray that You would continue to work in our hearts and our lives. Help us to love the small, this, this, this the small everyday work that you're doing in us and through us. Help us to love it. Help us to long for the day when we are, when we are gathered around the throne, worshiping. And until that day, help us to be, help us to be day in, day out, faithful. In Christ's name, Amen.